I read you. Where are you? Flying blind on a rocket cycle. Flying blind on a rocket cycle? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. At the beginning, when you try the first time the 500, Fourth is Sylvain Gintoli. Sylvain taking a second out of Tony Elias in one lap with five to go. Permission to become a complete fan. Uh, no, I am your mate. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, Sylvain. Rothman boy. I hope you're up early in Boston. Come on, Caroline. I'm sure you and can Caroline. Try put the bottle down. It's too early. Racing it. Life. Anything that happens before or after, it's just waiting. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show of record, the show that matters, the show that's about a month late, and of course, the show that's going to put you on pole position for the news, the commentary, and the opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing. As always, I am your host, the Duke. And uh, possibly hear Lola, the Wonder Dog, in the background barking at oh, just about everything she can at the moment for no apparent reason. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. No excuses. Been gone. Uh, it's been about literally has been about a month since I kicked out a show. And um, well, I've been meaning to do it for the last two weeks. Been trying to get around to it and just haven't done it. And I've got no good reason for it. So, well, there you go. But we're back. Last show of the year. Had to get this one in. I'm heading out of town for a few days. Got to go to Indiana and deal with family uh, for Christmas. And um, to all of you out there, uh, happy holidays, whether it's your, uh, whether it's a, 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 um, a tardy, happy Hanukkah, uh, Festivus, Christmas. Um, oh, I'm missing like eight or ten of them in there. But anyways. Uh, it was we record this on uh, Friday the 21st. Tomorrow is the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. Thankfully, after this, the days get a little bit longer. Not fast enough for me, but hey, you know, it is the shortest day of the year. Recovering from Death Storm 2007 here in Metro Detroit and Little Baghdad here. We got uh, 10 inches of snow and a good chunk of it's melted now. It's actually been above freezing here, so it's going away. All that means is you got to take your car through the, the wash about every other day because you get all the crap off of it. But that's another story entirely. So let's uh, we'll do a lot of catch up here, a lot of news that's gone on in the past month, a lot of testing that's gone on. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, we'll touch on a little bit of it. Probably won't go into in depth about a ton of stuff just because well, it's been so long. Uh, it won't be really topical. Just kind of give you the the top view of what's going on and and delve a little bit into a few things, but. Contact information, as always, and still, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Of course, the website, www.rumblestripradio.com. You can uh, leave feedback there on the site. You can, uh, more than happy for you to leave comments on the site there. Just go to the most recent episode and uh, click on comments, and you can leave us a note there. Like I said, if you want to send us an email, you can do that. Haven't heard from anyone in a couple weeks, so I know everyone's busy with the holidays and stuff. And, well, without a show coming out, um, there's that as well. You can always subscribe to the uh, to the show off the website, whether it's to the iTunes store or whether uh, just an RSS feed through uh, 
another form. You can do that on the website. There are links there for various other things. Uh, some of our friends, uh, there's the Google AdSense stuff, which I think is going to be going away after the first of the year. And I'm going to replace that with some Amazon affiliate stuff. I think might be a little better, a little more appropriate, and a little easier. I don't know. Stuff that most people end up buying anyways. I'm working on that one. I think the, I, I don't think, I know that the eMusic store is still up and that's uh Free sign up, you get 25 free songs. You can cancel right after you get your 25 songs, and then eMusic kicks us a couple bucks for that. So no obligation on on that one. So if you could do that, that would be great. It helps out the show. Or if you just like to donate to the show directly, we do have a button on the website, and uh, it goes to a PayPal account, a big, big glowing gold, gold yellow button up there in the top right corner. It says donate, and, uh, oh. It is a holiday season. If you'd like to donate to your favorite podcast, would be much, much appreciated. Couple, oops, sorry about that. A couple other things uh, that are out there, and uh, I've actually had two notes on this, or two emails on this. I guess Microsoft has uh, redone their Zoom, their, uh, their attempt to do an iPod, which I guess isn't too bad now. But uh, they have what's called the Zoom Marketplace, and they're do finally doing podcasts on that. Now, Rumble Strip Radio is not showing up on that at this point. However, if we do get a number of people to uh, request that, I think they will go through and do that. I don't know how many of you are using Zooms to to listen to the show or or have Zooms or whatever. But if uh, if you would like to do that, that would be much appreciated. It's nothing really I can do as the owner of the show and the show host. Uh, that would something that has to come from you, the listener. So if you could do that, that would be much, much appreciated. I would like to give a shout out to Bob Hayes and, and um, I'm way behind. I just saw his latest show showed up today a couple minutes ago and uh, he's been putting out a show every week here in December. So uh, props to you, Bob. I haven't listened to any of them yet. I'm just behind on everything for, like I said, for no good reason. Um, so what's been going on on this side of the world? I was down in Orlando for the PRI show uh, it's the performance racing industry show. It's the, a big, huge, huge show for strictly racing type of things down in Orlando every year. Um, it has been for the last few years before that was in Indianapolis and a few other places, but, um, no real motorcycle stuff. Although I did talk to the chicken hawk guys there. Uh, did see the guys from, um, uh, on the throttle TV there, they were, they were on their way back from the Daytona tire test and they, they were there for, um, when did I see them Friday? I think it was. So it was good to see those guys. Um, yeah, not so much in the motorcycle stuff there. It's all four wheel racing and it's that, you know, couple million, 1.2 million square feet worth of stuff it was pretty cool. But if you're interested in seeing any of that, you can go on over to streetlegaltv.com or nmratv.com and, uh, I think I shot 26 different segments between those two. Most of them are on street legal TV and I think almost everything is up there now. It's taken a while to get everything up, but Hey, those are the editing guys and they're working their, their ass off on that stuff. And it was a good show, a lot of fun. And hopefully after the first year, I'll be doing more stuff with those guys. The, um, the project for the next big, next big thing is still in the works. Uh, I'm hoping once I come back from Indiana from Christmas, I'll be sitting down with uh, Brad, who's uh, my partner in crime on that one, and we'll be finishing that up. Uh, I actually have done two uh, shows for, I think it's been two shows for livefastracing.com and that podcast. 
since the last sh- last one of these shows, or maybe we're recording show six about the time we put out the last show, and we just did show seven last week. So head on over to livefastracing.com. You can uh, find it there. If you want to head on over to talkshoe.com, you can search for there, or it is also now in the iTunes music store. And uh, you can get it there. John and I talk about, uh, split it about half to two-thirds about the cars and then a third about motorcycle stuff. So you want to check that out. And if you're wondering why I've done that and not one of these shows, it's easy. That's John's show. All I got to do is just call in and talk. He sets everything up and does all the work on that. So, But it's fun. It's a good show. And uh, we're planning on doing some some stuff with it next year to help um, improve the quality of the show, both from... Um, from a content standpoint and also from an audio quality standpoint. I think you'll like how that will be coming out next year. And let's see, what else do I have to go through? Oh, um, for those of you who are interested, um, I do have six Pounce invites. So if you are interested in uh, getting an invite into Pounce, uh, if you know what Pounce is, you'll, or, you know, if you want an invite, you'll know what Pounce is, and if you don't know what Pounce is, uh, microblog, Twitter type of thing. So if you're interested in that, you want uh, an invite, if you don't already have one, uh, send me a note, and I will uh, send you an invite. Be happy to do that. I don't have too many people on my, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, on my friends list or whatever on that, uh, people who watch me type of thing. But, uh, hey, I've been posting a few things here and there, so just to try it out, just try and have some fun and see what happens with that. All right, well, let's uh, dive into the news here and uh, see what comes out. Oh, by the way, um, one of the things I would like feedback on is I'm sure you noticed the intro has been tweaked a little bit and would like to know what you think of that. So rumblestripradio at gmail.com, that's what I'm planning to be the uh, intro for the 2008 calendar year. I mean, we've gone with the original one for almost two years now, well, a year and nine months, essentially. So what, March, beginning of March of 90, 90, oh, good God, uh, 2005? No, 2006. So we did 2006, we've done 2007. So yeah, so 2006, I guess that's right. Seems longer than that, whatever. Yeah, 2006. So since the March of 2006, we've gone with our uh, original intro, I believe, and uh, I just figured it was time for a change and tweaked it and added some things, took some things out. Let me know what you think. Radio at gmail.com. Here's the first thing that I want to discuss, and we can call this one of my uh, two takes that I'm going to throw in here for you this year, or for the end of the year type of thing, my end of year rants, and let me just uh, make a note here. I probably have it. Other, other. I do have notes. So, uh, okay. So, one of the uh, one of the things that uh, was amusing for me at the end of the year, the MotoGP season, and to see a lot of conversation on was, is Casey Stoner going to run the number one plate in two thousand and eight? And it seemed to be this huge deal of, well, you know, running the number one plate. Why? Why would he run the number one plate? And my thing on that is, why the hell wouldn't he? Uh, he's the champion. He's the number one guy. So you put the number one plate on your bike. Uh, Ducati is a manufacturer. Not only did they win the Riders' Championship, they won the Manufacturers' Championship, the Team Championship. I would think they'd want the number one on the bike. That means a lot when it comes to marketing, 
when you, you know when everything you see in big two color ads, full page spreads, whatever it is, and you'll see Casey on the bike, probably cranked over in a corner, wheelie, whatever, and, and pictures starting next year, and you see a one. Well, that's what they want. That's what they're out for. There for they're out there to be the best. Now, I went back, went back a little bit and looked, and and went back into the. 70s i think is i i even look back into some of the 70s and like well who who were the people or, or how many people have run the number one plate and with the exception of valentino rossi pretty much everyone has run the number one plate uh let's see who has run the number one plate obviously nikki did it this year um you know of course that got a lot of controversy for that uh, Valentino Rossetti, for marketing purposes, decided he wanted to keep 46 on his bike. They, he passed it off as superstition, but had absolutely everything to do with marketing. And well, I'm sure he's superstitious about it, but still. Uh, you know, he's a little... Okay, before him, you had Kenny Kenny Jr. You had Mick Dewan, always ran a number one plate. Kevin Schwantz ran number one. You know, he put a little 34 in his in his one, so he still had his 34 on the bike, but he ran the number one plate. Uh, Wayne Rainey ran it, Eddie Lawson, uh, Wayne Gardner, Freddie Spencer, and uh, Kenny Sr. Who am I forgetting in there? I'm forgetting someone in there. I think even Barry Sheen ran number one. I may be wrong on that one. I can't. I, we're going back to the mid seventies on that one. But I, I mean, I did the. I can't say I went and looked back at every year, every picture, and I don't have all the uh, moto courses that go back that far to to look at that. But I mean, I should have probably asked uh, uh, Pop Monkey Jules, and uh, he would he would have known that off the top of his head. And then even when you look at uh, World Superbike, uh, with the exception of Bayless this year, and he ran 21 this year, but it was the second time he was number one. So I'll give him, I'll cut him a little slack on that. But Bayless ran number one in the past. Edwards ran number one in the past. Um, Courser. And all right, Foggy always ran. Foggy ran number one. So Bayless ran, yeah. Okay, so Foggy, Bayless. Um, wow, I'm uh, scratching. A little off that, but pretty much all the world superbike guys always ran number one too. So, who won the championship? So I don't get this whole thing of of just because Valentino Rossi chose to not run the number one, all of a sudden it's now taboo to run number one. I mean, it's the way some of these people talk, you know, it's it, uh, Rossi maybe doesn't just sit at the right hand of of God. He maybe is God, and anything he does is is the way it should be, and no one should deviate from that. Now, maybe that's a little over the top in that, but it sure seems that way. And if you go back and listen to a lot of the commentary um, on all three all three major broadcasts, uh, uh, Toby and Jules talked a little bit about it. Uh, uh, the the official broad MotoGP broadcast, the BBC broadcast. I'm sorry, the, the the major English language broadcasts. I can't speak for anything that isn't in English since I don't, you know, my my comprehension of Spanish is is almost shot now, even though I used to understand uh, a little bit of it. Um, and Italian as well. As a kid, I knew a little, I knew some Italian and some Spanish, but it's long gone. Anyways, it just seemed like there's this whole big deal about running a number one plate. And, and I'm sorry, Rossi's the one who broke the tradition 
other than that, pretty much everyone else is always running number one plate because that's what you always strive for. You always strive to be the best so that you can run that number one plate. And I don't understand all the hubbub about it. Some of it may come because of, of everyone's seeming distaste for Nikki Hayden and um, you know, they don't feel he was a true champion or won it the proper way or whatever kind of horse crap that was. Uh, the dude won the championship. He earned the championship. And uh, winning a championship has to deal with consistency, not just race wins, but being consistent as well. Now, Casey did a little bit of both this year. So, you know, props to him. He kind of dominated dominated the season from, well, till about two-thirds of the way in and then backed off a little bit, but still... I don't get it. I mean, if you guys have a different take on it of why a rider shouldn't shouldn't run a number one plate, tell me, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. I, I, I don't get it. it. I mean, if I won a championship, I would want a number one plate. Why? Let everyone know. I'm the champion. Okay? That's it. I'm number one. The target's on my back. Fine. Come get me. And if I don't get it, then it's on me. I own it. So, enough of that. Um, I'm trying to work on a column about that whole thing for uh, Road Racer X to to ship to Chris John. I don't know if that's going to come off or not. I got a couple of them I've been working on and just not getting anywhere with, but I'm keep banging on them. So we'll see what happens with that. Some of the other news that's uh, gone on in the world, and this is going to be in no particular order, just because this is how I've written down my notes. And hey, well, we're going with it, right? Just happy to. I'm happy to put out a show, and the fact that I have notes to remind myself what to talk about is good. The fact that I didn't put it in order, okay, well, there you go. Uh, Makoto Tamada has uh, obviously been signed with the PSG Kawasaki uh, crew. They've been doing some testing, and he seems to be very, very happy to be back in World Superbike. Uh, was pretty impressed with the Kawasaki machine. He said it was, um, uh, what were the quotes that came out the other day? On that, it was it. It had a lot more power than he expected. It handled better than he expected, and um, for whatever reason, he feels more comfortable back on a superbike than uh, after struggling uh, all this time in MotoGP. I think he feels he's going to be on some some top shelf equipment for the first time in a while. And this new ZX10 looks to be pretty promising. So we'll see what happens. I, you know, don't count, don't don't count Tamada out. He he could make some noise in this thing. Not never run have ever run on Pirelli tires. I don't know that that makes a difference. He's run on just about every brand of tires now. So what? Why should Pirelli be different? Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, hopefully, we'll see some good things from Tomata. And uh, oh, that's what I got to pull up about how deep this world, this year's World Superbike schedule or this World Superbikes uh, class is. We'll talk about the schedule. Actually, fifteen races this year. So we can touch on that as well. Uh, Matt Maladin has re-signed uh, through 2009 with Suzuki. His opinion being, he still in, he still feels he's at the very top of his game. He's enjoying riding, and if uh, Spees goes off to MotoGP like everyone expects after this year, um, he didn't want to be gone and have Ben gone. And I think Tommy's contract's up at the end of 2008. So then uh, Suzuki'd kind of be left flapping in the breeze with nothing established, no established rider at that point. Uh, so he wanted to at least have some continuity and and um, the chance that Suzuki stays a, a strong team here in the AMA. So he's signed through 2009. One of the exciting things for the Yoshimura team is that they have two major sponsors now on board, which everyone knows 
uh, Rockstar Energy Drink, which wasn't really a surprise. Um, that's been basically a known deal that that was coming for, for several months. Uh, the one that I didn't see coming uh, and then I hadn't really heard too much about was Makita. So it is, I think they're officially the uh, Rockstar Makita Yoshi, Yoshimura Factory Suzuki Superbike Team or something like that. So that's got to get shortened some way. Um, I don't know that I'm going to say that or uh, type that out too much. But uh, props on Maladin. For that, uh, also, uh, if you saw this come out, Matt Maladin is also one of the 20 uh, highest-earning athletes in uh, Australia. Now, it didn't break it out whether this is strictly earnings uh, from motorcycle racing or if this includes his uh, included his business of uh, Matt Maladin Racing or Matt Maladin Imports and, and the stuff. So he's an uh, exclusive importer into Australia for Joe Rocket Gear, for Yoshimura Products, and I think a couple other things. But uh, basically, the man earned about uh, $6 million U.S. million last year. And I think the top-earning uh, Aussie athlete earned either 14 or 20 million U.S. Casey actually didn't, didn't make the top 20. Uh, I think the note I saw is he probably earned about three and a half to four million last year, uh, but that didn't get him in the top 20. Um, crap, I forgot who was the number one. Um, Mark Weber, maybe. Uh, maybe it wasn't him. I don't know. Whatever it was. No, it was. I'm sure it was a golfer. But anyways, it had to have been like Greg Norman or something, somebody like that. Even though I don't know, does Greg still live in Australia? I know he's pretty much lived in Florida for a long time, and now he's marrying Chris Everett. So, but enough of that. Aussie guys, chime in, and I know you guys saw that, and I know there's a bunch of you who are listening to the show. So uh, send me a note, RumbleStripRadio.com. Let me know what that uh, what that was. Uh, surprising no one. This was also another one of those things everyone knew was happening. And, um, for whatever reason that took till the Daytona tire test for the announcement to be made. But Jeff May is, uh, now with Jordan Suzuki. He'll be running primarily super stock and focusing there. So we'll see how Jeff does and whether the Jordan equipment will be better for him than the, um, M4 go team of, of John Ulrich. Jeff uh, always looked strong. He starts strong and then just didn't have it at the end of the race. So um, he tended to fade a little bit at the race. So no, no knowing if that was uh, the Pirelli tire thing, whether that's a, you know, Pirelli versus Dunlop, if that's going to make a difference for him, whether it's equipment, whether, whether it's a racer, who knows. Uh, there, obviously, we'll talk about Daytona tire testing here in just a couple minutes and uh, some of the things to be to be and not to be taken away from that. But uh, other news out of that test, uh, Akira Yanagawa was there as an official Kawasaki tester working with the, working with them on the new ZX-10 and talks that he will probably race at Daytona again this year as he did last year. I think he, he finished fourth or fifth last year, I think, in uh, in the superbike race. So I think he's uh, could be looking forward to that. Everyone knows uh, Tommy Hayden got married. Lots of pictures up on that. So congratulations to Tommy and his new wife. Uh, looked like a, a pretty good show there. Also props to Hopper. And uh, was married last week to his uh, girlfriend, Ashley, in Las Vegas at the Hard Rock. I guess it was uh, quite the affair, although only about 80, 90 people there. So uh, congratulations to Hopper as well on that. Uh, certainly a uh, very good-looking girl. Aaron Gobert has found a uh, new home. He's with the Rockwell Honda. It's a pretty big dealership out of Texas, and uh, they're trying to step up the program this year. I don't think they have a second rider on that team yet. 
but Aaron will be racing for them this year. We'll see how he does. He uh, had a solid season last year uh, coming back from uh, arm pump surgery and, and definitely looked very strong in a couple uh, points. One at Barber, I believe, and um, did he win at Elkhart Lake? Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But uh, he looked pretty good. Looked a lot better anyways. And we'll see if uh, he can continue on the upward trend uh, with the Rockwell guys. I guess this would wrap up sort of the AMA stuff here. Um, all the guys who got penalized points and money at Laguna at the end of the race, uh, uh, Yates, Cardenas, and Jake Holden, you know, for this uh, tube that was relieving crank crank case pressure, and I think it was going into the airbox, and had been verbally approved by Tech for basically a year and a half, and then all of a sudden it was a big deal at the last run at Laguna. Uh, that got overturned. I think they tweaked the rules saying that uh, if you want to do something like that, actually you have to have to have written permission to do that, no verbal authorization, which is a CYA on, on both sides of that deal. And so that uh, uh, FUBAR has been cleared up. Uh, James Ellison will not be racing in the U.S. next year. Uh, his uh, two-year deal with uh, Corona wrapped up, or was it just a one-year deal? Sorry, I can't remember. Drawn a blank. Maybe it was just last year. Anyways, uh, he's headed back to the BSB, and he's going to be racing with the uh, bike animal team. So hoping that that will be a more solid team for him to, or he'll have some better results there than he was able to uh, deal with here. Um you know, I've uh, I've been critical of the Corona team in the past, may continue to be critical of them in the future, but um, like I said, I met uh, uh, Tim and um, oh, yeah, uh, Darren at uh, at SEMA and, and I'm I got to I got to lob them a call and see if we can get them on and talk to them and also. Uh, after the first of the year, I'm going to lob Shelly a call over the Jordan team and see if we can get Yates on and, and maybe even Jeff May. So we'll see what's going to go on with that. Uh, big news out of MotoGP that everyone has seen at this point is uh, Valentino Rossi is saying that he is going to race another four to five years, that uh, he plans on staying through 2012 to race in MotoGP. Uh, however, his contract with Yamaha is up after this season, and he is going to take a wait-and-see approach to see whether he stays with Yamaha after this season uh, based on what happens with the team, uh, what happens with the bike, and, and things like that. So could we see Rossi on a independent Ducati next year in uh, 2009? It's uh, a definite possibility. I think that would be the next logical place for him to go. Uh, however, if, uh, if Yamaha gets everything sorted this coming up year, we may see him sign for another year or two over there. One of the things that came out uh, MotoGP-wise yesterday, I think I saw this blurb on um, the last day or two over at uh, Kropotkin Thinks, is uh, uh, Carmelo Espolito is, is making some noise about um, standard ECU for MotoGP, much like... Uh, uh, Formula One has now gone to a standard ECU. Here's the problem with that, among other things. Uh, basically, MotoGP has standardized a 
four liter V8 engine is that is the engine that you will run. And, and yes, so oh, by the way, for the next 10 years, you can't really have any kind of major development on it. And you will run the standard ECU. It doesn't really work in MotoGP because you have inline fours uh, and you have V4s. And, um, you know, who knows if someone's going to get crazy and go with a V5, V6, three-cylinder, you know. Uh, the rules are a little too open for that. If you want a standard ECU, there's no way that you can do it in, in the way the motors are currently set up. Well, I guess you could, and then everyone's got to build around it. But, you know, Formula One is losing their uh, raison d'etre to, to exist in that, you know, they're supposed to be at the very cutting edge of everything. Uh, automotive automotive ways uh, they're they're now have greatly limited what you can do with an engine uh, after the first year there's going to be some uh, some rules that come out that greatly limit uh, wind tunnel testing the size of the vehicles you can run in wind tunnels and, and such so um, you know all in all supposedly to control costs which is garbage because as soon as you do that then it just goes also, the money just goes elsewhere. It's, you, you never reduce the cost of racing. It just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, they've got spec tires and everything, too. So, and yet the costs seem to go up every year. Go figure. So, yeah, he's making some noise again. Who knows what's going to happen with that. Uh, let's hope that that doesn't go off. Uh, I'm certainly not a big fan of all the electronic componentry. Excuse me, in the current MotoGP bikes, I think it takes away a lot from uh, from the riding, from the motorcycle, in that, what's the best way to say this? There's too much, there's too much engineering. I don't want, I hate to say that in there. Um, I guess in theory, it helps develop a bike. It helps, it does help down the downstream into production motorcycles. But one of the great things about motorcycle racing always has been, and Eddie Lawson talked about this years ago. You can have a crappy bike and have a, a poorly set up bike, but a rider can overcome a lot of that. Uh, we're in a car. The car is 80 to 80 to 90 percent of the equation, and then the driver is the rest. It's well, maybe not quite that, but it, I'd say a rider is maybe 70 percent of the equation in motorcycle racing, and the bike is is 30. And and the reason I say that is most of the bikes on the MotoGP grid are pretty solid bikes. Uh, say what you want about KR and, and some of the other stuff out there. They're still pretty good bikes. Now, could Valentino Rossi or some of these other guys, uh, 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 Stoner or Melandri, get on a KR bike and uh, and kick ass? Well, I guess if Mich if uh, Honda would have decided to give them something other than the very first iteration of the 800cc V4, very possibly, but we'll never know because Honda screwed the pooch on that one. But I'm sorry. Uh, not to go out, go down a rat hole on that one, but um, I just, uh, you know, the end of the 990 era was great because the bikes were nasty, uh, hard to control. You know, it's sort of like in the 500 era, a little more controllable than, a, let's say, a 500 era bike. Um, but you definitely saw where it took a rider, a strong rider, to ride the bike. Um, you know, it was never you. It got a little squirrely. Uh, where now the 800s are such where you can so control the power um, and the power delivery with electronics, it's become a large 250. And don't get me wrong, 250 is probably one of the great race bikes in existence. But 
it's not the premier class. The premier class should be nasty bikes being difficult to ride, and therefore it takes the best riders. And I think I, – I don't think Casey would have a problem with a bike like that because he rode a lot of dirt track. I don't think Nick or um, – uh, Valentino, I don't think Tony Elias, guys who ride a lot of supermoto, a lot of dirt track type of stuff. I don't think those guys would have a problem with that. I think they'd continue to do well. Hopper would be a good one. He's ridden, you know, big bikes. Um, but I wonder about people like your Lorenzo, your Pedrosa, a lot of these, the new breed of 250 guys coming up, how well they would do on something like that. Uh, and because these things are tuned such to make the power del- delivery more mm, friendly, I mean, it's okay. It's not really friendly, but I mean, relatively speaking, um, and just I just wonder about that. So, so I'm not a big fan of all the electronics and all the traction control, but you know, you, it's progress. And what are you going to do, right? Go back to carburetors. That's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the some of the tests that have been going on. I'll let's see if I can find the uh, World Superbikes stuff here in a minute. Uh, final lap times from the, uh, her, her test, right? This was her Sorry. Do, 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 do. Cause it's been so long. Yeah, it was her So, uh, Hobbit was out front and I believe that was actually on a 2007 bike, to be honest with you. Now, most of these times are done on qualifiers. So take out of it what you will. Uh, but the Hobbit was 138.56, Nikki was 138.84, and that was on the new bike. Uh, George coming around a little bit there towards the end, he definitely took some time to get up to speed, but put in a lot of laps, so, and progressed a little bit every day. Uh, 139.4, uh, Davizioso, uh, had a really good showing, 139.7s. And uh, I think you're gonna have to watch out for him because he's so used to riding a crappy bike this year this past year now that um, now that he's on a halfway decent bike, I think he, I think he could be dangerous. Uh, Nakano, 140.1. So Shinya is still showing that he uh, has some speed. Uh, Colin on, well, it was essentially his, still his uh, Fiat Yamaha bike, uh, 140.1. DeAngelis, 140.1 as well. He could be an interesting watch. Toslin making some progress, 140.2. Uh, Depunier on the Honda, 140.39, uh, basically 140.4. Hopper, you know, he's getting up to speed. He's They're still working on that Kawasaki, 140.9. Rossi, uh, 141.5, but he's still recovering from that hand injury. Uh, Melandri continues to struggle on the Ducati. He's still not getting happy. He's still not finding that setup that he likes on there. Um... Teddy Okada, a test rider, old man. Uh, uh, Nicolo Campagna, uh, or, or Canapea, Canapé, Canapes. Uh, Ducati test rider, Ant West, again, struggling. And I think they're just, I, I'm hoping that what they're doing is spending some time trying to find a, a really solid setup for him so that he can go. Uh, Don Vito, also Ducati test rider, and then uh, Shinichi Ito, the Bridgestone test rider on the Ducati, uh, was last up there. So next uh, testing for MotoGP is still, uh, well, it's a, exact, a month away, January 22nd, 23rd, 24th, which considering it's the 22nd in Sepang now, I think, 
right? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, something like that, whatever the time difference is. Uh, so basically a month away. And uh, we'll, we'll, those guys get back to action. So they'll have actually had basically, well, the riders will have had two months off to recover. Um, Nick's had some surgery. Who else had some surgery? A bunch of people have had some. Casey, Casey did not have to have surgery. Uh, he just went home to uh, to rest and recover and, and take care of his shoulder. He went down a lot during that test. So, oops. Sorry, I keep banging the microphone. Set up a little tent here for myself, trying to help with sound quality, and it's uh, it's pretty tight doing so. Anyways, so just because these uh, these guys aren't out testing doesn't mean there isn't a ton of work going on in the in the shops, uh, back in the factories. A lot of work going on. Um, haven't really had a chance to talk to Liam much uh, at all in a while, but I know he's been going back and forth between uh, Spain and. And uh, Italy working and getting uh, the uh, the Dan helping to get the Dantines uh, team set up and running and and taking her his end of it. Uh, so those guys are going hard at it. And uh, not sure if he's coming home for the holidays or not. I haven't heard. Uh, really need to lob him a, a phone call or a note here too. I'm way behind on a lot of these stuff and stay in contact with some people. So, but. It should be uh, it should be pretty interesting to see how that uh, ends up. Excuse me. Um, I think I think once we get into the new year and uh, everyone's got all the brand new stuff out and and we start doing with some of the official testing, like I said, it starts in Sepang. I think we'll see a lot of um, more interesting times, more relevant times. So guys have had time off; they're all recharged, they're healed, and. Um, like I said, next evolutions, next evolutions of the bike. And uh, sorry, I'm just trying to go back here to take a look and see if I can find the release of the World Superbike calendar. There were 15 races. Actually, we'll just go to a different site because I'm pretty sure I can find it a little quicker over there. Apologize for this. No, or uh, not quite enough planning up front. Insert music here. Uh, officially, official that there is going to be a mild dirt track race during the Indy uh, MotoGP weekend. I mean, that's been known that that was probably going to happen for a while, um, but I guess it was officially official announced. And uh, it's going to be an AMA-sanctioned deal. Whether or not that means it's going to come off or not, I don't know, but I think that... Um, IMS has got some involvement in that as being part of the official uh, race weekend, so I'm sure it'll be pulled off in one way or the other. We won't have to worry about these things like uh, the Vegas race or a couple other races that happened uh, this year where, where the dirt track stuff got canned. So it could be, could be interesting. I guess the only bad thing is it's not like you're going to see uh, Nick out there on a, on a bike racing which is too bad that could be kind of cool but there's no way they're going to let him go out there possibly get hurt uh in a big race weekend like that but yeah you may see uh uh tommy and raj out there so you never know along with all the regular uh dirt track crew so it's only what is it a five hour ride down from little baghdad so i'm hoping to uh i mean all plans are to be out there for that 
and still working on some stuff for that. So, um, Christ, why can I not find that? All right, one last place. Um, so I know uh, Buddy Homer, who's uh, at the dials of the nuclear power plant in uh, Down Riviere, um, still working on that, still trying to get with uh, Kim to uh, to work on some stuff and get everything set up for that. And um, since she's done that a few times and I haven't, I'm uh, trying to stay with her on that to uh, make sure that that comes out right. Do, do, do. Is this the one that I want to do? Okay. Well, that's got the rider line up, so that's good. Okay, yep, okay. No, this kills two birds with one stone. So let's talk a little bit about World Superbike and the schedule that was released a couple days ago, three days ago, I guess it was. So starting off in Qatar on February the 23rd, then head over to Phillip Island in Australia on March the 2nd. So that's good, staying pretty tight there in a the schedule. And then we take a month off. Uh, then we head to Spain on April the 6th. Um, was that two weeks, three weeks to uh, to the Netherlands at Assen on April the 27th, May the 11th at Monza. And then uh, they come to the U.S. on June the 1st. It's a little bit of a long break there. And then they pack up and head right back to uh, Nürburgring, which I'm trying to think when if the if if uh, World Superbikes ever raced at that track. And this obviously isn't the whole, uh, the huge Nordschliff, Nord, what, however you pronounce Nordschliff track or whatever the proper pronunciation is, you know, the big long track that all the videos are on. This is, you know, the, the smaller track, but um, that's cool that they're racing there. If I remember right, there used to be some really good MotoGP races back there in the day. Um, some great battles between uh, Rainey and Schwantz in there. And then uh, June the 29th at uh, Masano for the San Marino race. Uh, then we're going to take a month off, come back for Brno on July the 20th. And then only a couple of weeks, then we come to Brands Hatch on August the 3rd. Then, of course, there's the summer break, which is an expected break. Um, and everyone's going to stay. Everything I think everyone will just leave the equipment in England because then they go to Donington Park on September the 7th. Uh, Vallelunga again on September the 21st. I think that race came off pretty well. I think that's, that was kind of a cool-looking circuit. That'd be one I'd like to go attend. It just looks like a pretty cool place. October the 5th in France at Magnacourt. Uh, halfway around the world on October the 12th to the um, Central, Cir Central Circuit in Indonesia. And then all the way back around again for November the 2nd to wrap up the season in Portugal. Um, the... Indonesian race is subject to a new contract, as is Monza, but you know Monza will come off. Uh, the Indonesian race, probably, but we'll see what happens. Um, so the, the schedule is better. Obviously, more rounds this year, which is good. Um, some reasonable breaks in between races, a few times where it's, it's off, for, I think, for a little bit too long. But nowhere near as bad as as it was this year. There's at least there's a little bit of of pacing to this thing. You know, you'd like to see a race. You know, maybe not back to back weekends, but every other weekend or every second weekend type of thing. 
So at least there's you kind of know when to expect something to pop up. Um, the one thing I do uh, do want to take a look at here is how deep uh, the grid is going to be this year. And and I'm gonna as we go through these things, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of tick off who I think actually even has a shot. Um, one of the recent additions, um, Alto Evolution, uh, has got two new riders. Well, did Luca Morelli, maybe Luca Morelli did some stuff with them last year. But Shui Oyama is coming out of 250 to race in World Superbike. That is a bit of a surprise for me, but given. You know, I've got to look to see if there's really going to be any Honda riders at all in 250 this year. They, you know, Honda's really cutting off their 250 support or all their two-stroke support. Um, so I'm not going to know, say that he's got much going on uh, the Alto Evolution team at all. Um, uh, who's that? Grillini Yamaha. Never heard of this guy. Uh, Loki Napoleon. Man, sorry, don't know you. Uh, so, okay, here's what we have for the teams, and um, this is uh, what we have at this point, uh, as far as my notes go. Uh, Xerox Ducati, Bayless, and Fabrizio. All right, Bayless, obviously, uh, he says this is going to be his last year. Really, really, really motivated to win a championship, after, especially after how last year went for him, and wants to especially win on the 1098 and have won on, you know, all these, on, he won a championship or won races in on the on the original like you know 916 to 998 bike. Uh yeah, he won he won his first championship on that. He won the second championship on the on the 999. And now he wants to win a third championship uh on the new bike. Also wants a shot at Foggy's overall wins um for Ducati on a super bike. May not get that, but he'll be close in a lot less starts. So um, uh, Michelle Fabrizio is the second rider. You know, he's sort of the Italian Norikabe in the sense that he's got a ton of talent and two or three times a year he shows up and, and races for a win and, and makes the noise. Uh, and other times you're wondering where the hell he went to. So I'm not so sure about Fabrizio. Has a chance for one win maybe. We'll throw that in there. But like I said, he's sort of the Italian Norikabe. The uh, All-Star Suzuki team which in testing was still running Corona Body Works, so I'm not sure what's going on with that, uh, whether they're still going to have some sponsorship or whether that was just they hadn't taken it off. But this uh, could be a really, really strong team. Um, I think everyone knows I've been a fan of uh, Yukio Kagiyama for a while. Uh, hell of a rider. Really rides um, at 100% all the time, and, and I think that's it's sort of that Kevin Schwantz thing. He's always riding so hard. Uh, and when the bike's not there, he'll ride it hard till it crashes, and then he's riding hurt all the time, and then he crashes again and hurts himself even more. That's sort of that Kevin Schwantz thing. Uh, Max Neukirchner has been a guy for several years now who you get a decent bike underneath him, and he's capable of running up front, uh, and he's done that on three different bikes now. He did it uh, as a sub-rider last year on the All-Star Suzuki team. He did it on um, on a couple different Hondas in the past, so get a decent bike under him, and he definitely has a chance to to do well. And then Fonzi Nieto, you know, should be able to run up front, but you never know what's going to happen with, with him. But uh, new team, we'll see what happens there. But uh, you, you definitely got uh, a couple guys there who can contend for a win. Uh, Yamaha Italy, okay, that's super strong team, obviously, between Haga and Corser. 
Uh, Haga, obviously, greatest season he's ever had, pretty much. And Corser, who was ready to say that should just, you know, sign off into retirement. All of a sudden, the last few races of the year, I don't know what happened, whether he finally gelled with the bike, the team, whatever, but he really came around those last couple races. So if he can keep that momentum going, he he could be a contender next year. I'm not going to dismiss him. Uh, Tenkata, another, ugh, you kidding me? This is going to be a killer team. But premised on no one really knows how good the new Fireblade is going to be. Uh, there's some thoughts of how good it's going to be, but no one really knows for sure. Uh, Cheka, you know, kind of a winner bin kind of guy. Uh, uh, Riichi Kiyonari uh, has won a British Superbike Championship, smoking fast rider. And then uh, Kenan Safagalu, you know, will he contend for a championship in his first year? No, but I would not um, be surprised for him to win at least one, if not two races and be in the top six for the for the championship. I think he's, you know, we'll see how good he is. He certainly blew everyone away in super sports. So we'll see what happens in super bike. PSG1 Kawasaki. Uh, new bike, so hopefully that'll make uh, make a difference here. Tamada, very fast rider. Hopefully he'll do well now coming back into Superbike. And Laconi, I don't know. Anyone who gets, I don't know. I, 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 I yeah, Laconi. Well, let's just say it's Laconi, and I think everyone can draw their own conclusions from there. Now, uh, one of the teams I'm also very excited to see what happens with this year is uh, the Stelgarda Ducati team, which essentially will be the uh, factory B team. They're supposed to get essentially the same equipment as the Xerox Ducati guys. You have my boy Zaus, who, no uh, no doubt about it, big fan of Ruben Zaus, and Max Biaggi comes over, and you know Max is going to be super, super motivated. Uh, Italian, on an Italian bike, um, yeah, that that's going to be huge this year. Now, what's going to happen between those two riders? I don't know. Does a Ducati fit his style? You got a lot of that stuff, but that could be a really strong team, and there's got to be some race wins in on that one. The uh, GMT 94 uh, Yamaha team from France, uh, I think there were some announcements that they officially, officially are in the World Superbike this year, but it's they've basically been in on the entry list for a while now uh, with Cheka and Jimbert, or Jimbert. And you know, they've obviously been a, a team for a long time racing in 24-hour or the endurance stuff. See what happens. Eh, who knows? They could have a, a race or two. But I think they'll be a good, you know, 6th to 10th, 12th type of team. They'll be in there. Uh, making a return to World Superbike is uh, Gregorio Lavia after quite a few years actually in, in the BSB and won a championship or two over there uh, on the uh, Stobart Honda, the Paul Bird team. Uh, Lorenzo Lanzi, maybe one of the biggest disappointments last year on a, on a private Ducati. Uh, Robbie Rolfo on a uh, on the Althea Honda. Mm, who knows? Uh, DFX Corsa with uh, Russell Holland and, and uh, Carl Muggeridge. That's another team that struggled with the money for a long time. So you don't know what's going to happen with those guys. Could be, could be good. Could be just back there. And then uh, the Pedercini, uh, Kawasaki, uh, Ianusu, former Superstock champion, and uh, Ayrton Bandovini. Don't know too much about him. 
you expect them, you know, consistently eighth to twelfth type of guy. And then also on a private Ducati is Jakob Smertz, who I'm actually somewhat surprised uh, ended up back in World Superbike on, I mean, not that he didn't do a deal there on his own, um, but there was a pretty strong rumor that he was going to be running in the U.S., uh, maybe in a support series, but uh, that he had a good shot uh, at, a, at a seat here in the U.S., but I guess that didn't come off. So, But if, we wanna look, if you want to look at this, let's look at... Uh, legitimate guys who have a chance at winning. You have Bayless on, on, a, on, a, on a race, race base, you know, every every weekend type of base uh, type of thing. Um, and you can say Bayless, Corser, Haga, Kianari, and I'm going to throw Kianari, uh, Biaggi, Zaus, just because of the equipment in, that's in there. I think those guys you can count on every week. Tamada, you can't really count on. I mean, a lot too much unknown on that. But I guess no more so no unknown than on the Honda as well. So I think those guys you can count on every week they got a chance. Now, who's a couple of guys who can throw, you know, sort of the wild uh, wild number in there? You, Lavia, who knows? Because you, you don't know how good that team's going to be. Um, uh, Cheka, I think, can throw something up there. Neukirchner certainly has a, has a chance. And like I said, Fabrizio... Uh, is in there as well, you know. You, you know, I'm not just. And then when you consider who can who can uh, podium and stuff, you know, Muggers obviously has a talent to do it. Uh, question on the team, Lavia certainly, as we said, potentially could be a consistent podium kind of guy. Um, Laconi, man, but uh, Cheka Safagalu certainly some shots in there. Fonzie Nieto, never know what's going to happen with him. So I just, I think it's a really, really deep world superbike field this year. And it could be a huge, huge series this year. So I'm I'm really, really excited to see how that comes off. And um, yeah, could be good. Could be real good. Um, Where are we? Okay. Well, it's going to be a good, uh, decent length show for you. So if you're driving for, uh, for the holidays and you plug it in into your iPod or whatever mp3 player have you burn it to a cd for you um should be some uh, uh decent listing material for you uh, i want to touch on what happened at daytona for ama testing and please understand if you don't know that daytona tire testing means almost nothing all it means is that th- that's what these guys could do um at daytona because this track translates to essentially no other track anywhere at all so uh dunlop guys were up first matt maladden came away with uh quickest time and oh yeah that's right uh ben had shoulder surgery as well as nikki that's what that was trying to remember that picture uh tommy hayden actually looks like he's coming up to speed a little bit was the second yates on the you know on the jordan uh team tied with hayden for a time uh, all these times are unofficial because the of the fire on the AMA timing timing and scoring truck. So a lot of the stuff is you know semi-official. Uh, hacking looking good on the on the new Kawasaki DeSalvo. Uh, threw a, a good time on the Yamaha. I think that's before he decided to crash it and have it burn to the ground. Uh, Josh Hayes threw in a very respectable time, actually. Better time on last year's Superbike. I think they were just trying to confirm some things on that. Um, and those bikes were actually faster than the new bikes, but then essentially the new bikes were essentially super stock bikes. 
And the good thing on that is, uh, to me, for Josh, and, and the reason I'm still a little upset that he didn't get that ride, he was within um, basically 15 hundredths of a second of Neil Hodgson's best time on, on the same bike. So there you go. Akira uh, Yanagawa was testing. Raj, uh, he and Raj were pretty close in time. So, uh, you know, you guys have seen these times. What do you take away from it? Really not much. Seriously. Can't take away too much other than that's what these guys did here um, at Daytona. And then we, can you compare what the Pirelli guys did to the Dunlop guys? Not so much because it's different days, different amounts of rubber, different ta- track temperatures. And that track is very sensitive to uh, uh, to track temperature. Um, uh, Roberto Pietri uh, was the quickest on the Pirelli's. Blake Young uh, was uh, second. D- Chaz Davies looking very strong uh, on that uh, on his new ride with Attack and the Formula Extreme. Actually, I think that was the quickest Formula Extreme time between you know both Dunlop and Pirelli. But like I said, don't take too much away from that. Allrich and and Steve Rapp, Chaz Davies on a Super Sport bike. Uh, Cardenas very close in both his extreme and super sport time. So, like I said, uh, look at look at these times for what they are. There, you really we really need to see some testing from from a real racetrack, and whether or not we'll see. You know, uh, California Speedways probably will see some testing going on there. Eh, it's not exactly a real racetrack, but it's a little bit better. And uh, I'm sure everyone will try to go to Laguna and you know. Second week in January, I think, is when it usually is. Uh, but the weather's always so dicey there. Um, more times than not, 90, 90 times out of 100, it's going to rain uh, at some point there and be a little cold. But uh, those are those, when, once you see that, then that's when I would begin to take away something from uh, from all these times. Until then, eh, basically, eh. All right, I want to wrap up with um, with a couple things here. Uh, I guess one of the things I want to say is uh, you guys hear me slag off on uh, on Dean Adams and and uh, uh, Superbike Planet once in a while, and I think rightly so on some stuff. But I do want to give some major, major, major props to Dean. The last few weeks have been really strong, uh, not only with Subcast. Uh, but with the website as well. Uh, the Soupcast, the last Soupcast that came out, which was essentially a roundtable of Jim Allen, Al Ludington, and Josh Hayes, was some of the best, it's really one of the best things I've heard in, in a very, very long time. And I'm going to tell you, if you have not listened to that, and it's like an hour and a half show, uh, you need to go and just just download that single single one. Um, it was great. It was fantastic. I, you know, I'm not a huge Jim Allen fan, um, just in the way that he does some business, but I have a lot of respect for him um, because he is pretty ruthless in how he does it, and he does a good job. Um, he does a good job for Dunlop, let's just say. Um, do I think that comes out the best for the sport in the series? No, but, you know, his job is to do the best for Dunlop. Uh, end of sentence. Um, uh, or is, how how, do the, uh, how would Julian say it? Uh his job, his job would be to do it for Dunlop, full stop. <laughs> you know, no conti- no continuation from from that point on. Um, so I, I do have a lot of respect for him in in that sense. Um, like I said, just not a big fan of, of of some other stuff. Al Lunnington, I think I've said for a long time, 
one of the smartest guys in the paddock. Uh, great person, a lot of good stories. And when you get Alder relax a little bit, he can he can go on and tell some tell some pretty good stories. Sorry, my tent is falling apart here, and I'm trying to save it before a lot of stuff comes crashing down. There we go. I think that'll work. Um, and then of course Josh Hayes. Everyone knows what a big fan of Josh Hayes we are. So, like I said, go and listen to that. It was great. Uh, a lot of good stories. A lot of good information on that. And uh, I think you'll enjoy that. And the other thing I want to say is there's been some good, um, some good articles on Dean's uh, site on Superbike Planet. There was a great, fantastic um, uh, thing by Julian on there uh, about uh, kind of MotoGP and Big Bang engines and you know, harmonics and dynamics. And I literally have gone through and read that thing three different times um, to get my head around it. There's a lot of great information on there. And it's a very, very good read. Uh, I think Dean had a really good column uh, about what's going on with the AMA, and I want to echo a lot of what he said. I, you know, I, I had these thoughts a while ago, and then he just he put some good stuff in there, and then that'll be my last take of the year about what's going on in the AMA and just a few other things that have been going on over there. Um, I really felt like the the site was back in in the strong groove it was back in say ninety nine. Uh, 2000 and 2001, when it was really, to me, the site was at its height. It was it was the best site that was out there. I mean, I was out there competing with it with RumbleStrip.net, and one of the things that I was trying to do uh, was to compete with it, not just you know on a numbers basis, which was going to be hard to do, but with the quality of the content that was out there. Because at the time, I think um, Evan Smith was writing a lot more editorial stuff that was really good. Um, uh, uh, Chris Martin, I think, would throw some good stuff up there. He had he had other people throwing stuff up. Plus, Dean wrote a lot more back then on and and had more editorial content. So, I'm hoping we see more of that. I really uh, enjoyed it. I think it's good for everyone when there's more quality content out there. And um, so, Dean, and I know you occasionally listen to the show. Evan, I know you listen to the show occasionally. So, props to you guys on uh, finishing the season or finishing this year out strong with the site. And I hope that continues on into next year. So my last take of the year is to talk about what's going on with the AMA. Um, the AMA has been a giant goat fornication for a number of years, especially on the racing side, but even on the legislative side. Dean brought up some of the stuff about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick mostly to the racing side of it uh, for now. Um, because, well, that's the wheelhouse, and I feel a little more comfortable talking about that than what they're doing on the legislative side. One of the things I was really excited about was that uh, for the 2009 season that the rights for the series for uh, for road racing, for dirt track, and uh, supermoto were going to be sold off, uh, that the AMA would not be responsible for running it, that they would sanction the series, uh, but they would not run the series. And I was hugely excited about that. I can't tell you how excited I was about that. Uh, I thought it was the first smart decision they've made in, well, probably 50 years. Now there's some stuff being talked about where that may not happen, uh, that the manufacturers are getting a little bit nervous that, uh, you know, they may not support the series unless, quote unquote, the right people come in to run the series. And I guess I can go off on a little bit of this, uh, who I feel are the right people, which I have talked about in the past. And I'll just, you know, bring that back up and, and um, get into that a little bit. Um, but the big news has been a uh, couple guys who've been with the AMA for a long time. 
uh, one in, in charge of the magazine, another in charge of membership, got uh, got shown the door. And I guess what made it uh, a big thing was, one, there were longtime employees, and then two, Larry Lawrence uh, put out a uh, a letter that went to pretty much everyone uh, saying that the AMA should reinstate these guys, that they're longtime employees, they're loyal AMA people, and et cetera. Now, I will say this, um, and that I like Larry Lawrence. I think he does a great, I think he does a fantastic job uh, as the PR guy for the AMA series. He's knowledgeable, does a good job, takes care of everyone, and I think he's done, out of the people that I've seen other than Larry who've tried to help promote the series and be the PR manager for the series, he goes out of his way to make sure he gets the riders, um, not just at the track, but gets them to go around to radio stations and TV stations to help promote the series. So I think he does a fantastic job, uh, and I hope he's there for a long time. But on this argument, I think he is, um, I think he's off base. I think he's on the wrong side of the argument. You look at it this way. The AMA membership is down and continues to go down in an era where motorcycle ownership has gone up. Um, the magazine exists for whatever reason the magazine exists. Yeah, I don't know. But I, th- it's, I think that's a microcosm of what's going on. There's a lot of people who I think are good people who probably try hard, but they don't get the job done. It's time to show them the door and bring in new blood. I think it's really time to blow up the whole damn thing and start over because there's so much um, – there's so much baggage. There's even there's a. Uh, I can't think of a proper way of saying that other than there's like a muscle memory there. It's just been bad for so long that even you bring in fresh blood, that that stench is still there, and just no matter how good the new people come in, it just permeates them and wears them down after a while. It's sort of like the Detroit Lions. They've been so bad for so long. Doesn't matter how many new people you bring in, it still ends up the same way. Uh, and, and, oh, boy, did I call it right when I said uh, the Lions were going to get their ass kicked on Thanksgiving Day? And it's continued to go on. Anyways. Um, so I think the worst thing that could happen is uh, for this for, for the change to, to stop, although there's a interview again over on Dean's site, and, and the guy who's running the show over there now made some eye-rolling comment. I, I literally glazed over, my eyes literally glazed over reading some of this stuff. I'm like, uh, you said what? Wait a minute, I gotta go back and read that again. I just tuned out after a while because it, it's not getting any better over there. Seriously. They can try all they want. It's just not getting any better. Um, So, a lot of different people who could run the series in 2009 uh, you know, to run, to run the, well, let's just say the road racing side of it, dirt track, I think, like I said before, I think that should go to the World of Outlaws. They run dirt track stuff. It's a natural fit. Supermoto, um, I almost think you could combine, like I said, I think you could almost kind of split the Supermoto guys between the motocross and the road race stuff and do a combined, series. you know, part of the year they run with the motocross guys, part of the year they run with the road race guys and somehow work that out. Um, although it, it makes sense it wouldn't work because you probably have two competing different people running those series and splitting that money. It's it's a nightmare. Anyways, uh, but for the road racing stuff, which is what most of you will care about, as I said, you've got the France family uh, who are in, who are making a bid for it, uh, which could get interesting because uh, uh, one thing that Chris Johnham brought up in, in a column is that if the France family gets involved, that means Roger Edmondson comes back. He's currently running the Grand Am Series, or as I love to refer to it, the Grand Cham Series, and I think he's involved in Moto ST as well. <sighs> Sounds good on paper, but I just I don't trust anything the France family does. I'm sorry. I just... 
you can buy, you know, you compare Grand Am versus ALMS, and I'm sorry, ALMS all day. A lot of people wouldn't agree with me on that, but what do you do? And Moto ST has some promise. We'll see how that goes. You know, um, Kevin Cameron would probably have a, a hard on for the rest of his life if you know uh, the France family did it because then he'd say, "Oh, Moto ST, right into AMA, boom!" You know, because he's all about the Moto ST people running AMA and yeah, whatever. Uh, wrong side of that argument on that one too. Anyways, uh, so France family, mm, I say no, ah. Uh-uh. Uh, Dorna has talked about maybe being involved in the series. They, they run the BSB, obviously they run MotoGP, but given some of the things that, um, Espelita is doing in BSB, uh, going to spec tires there with Pirelli, amazingly, um, not Dunlop, which was sort of the expected move and sort of a consolation move, but whatever. Uh, now with this talk of, of uh, spec ECU, I'm not real comfortable with what the, some of the decision those guys are making either. Um, although it would be, could the AMA could then be as a legitimate feeder series to MotoGP and uh, the lower classes as well. Uh, Felimi, I think, makes a lot of sense in that. Well, it's Superbike. They know what they're they they know how to run Superbike. They got the spec tire thing going. You know, maybe it doesn't have to be a you know. Excuse me, universal application. I'm sure Dunlop would have some issues with that as well. But at least it's Superbike, and we haven't seen a lot of Americans over in World Superbike in a long time. So it could be a, a way to get some, um, you know, what's a pretty important market, a large market for the World Superbike. We could get uh, some American guys over there. I think uh, that could be a good. Uh, and then my other choice, or other, well, two other ones. You have Clear Channel, who promotes super, uh, Supercross. I've obviously done a great job with Supercross. Hard to argue with that. And um, and then you have the uh, the Painos Mafia who run uh, ALMS, and even though ALMS has no experience in running uh, motorcycle stuff, what they do have a lot of experience in is running a um, a top shelf road race series, dealing with a lot of manufacturer egos uh, and keeping a lot of manufacturers happy and involved. Even though there's some stuff going on with Audi right now that you know may upset that argument to or may upset that argument just a little bit, but. Um, actually, if I had my choice, I, sorry, I'd go with the, uh, I'd, I'd probably go with the Painos group first and the Falimi group second, mm, maybe a tie for third between, uh, Clear Channel, who I have some problems with on a, on a personal level. And I think I've said this before on how they treated someone, um, uh, who I used to work for, uh, that being Bill Bader. If you want to go find out that it's not that hard to Google. And, and Dorna, and then the France family last. So that's how I see that breaking down. That's how I see it. I uh, would like your thoughts, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. And that's going to wrap it up for us for the year, for 2007. Um, I would like to thank everyone uh, for their emails and for the comments on the on the site, for, their, for your monetary support this year. Much, much appreciated. It's gone a long ways to help keeping the show going, help keeping me motivated to keep going. Um, so uh, thank you very much. It's 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 greatly appreciated, and I hope to uh, hope you guys continue to listen to the show. And uh, 2008, uh, I'm looking to see you know make it a, a bigger and better show for next year. Tell your friends, tell your family about the show. Anyone you know, post it on the bulletin boards. We've got a little player that works right now, 
which you can post on your if you got a blog or a website and you'd like to post it over there that's fine that's great whatever we can do to grow the show it's uh, numbers are back up a little bit not obviously where they once were not where i'd like to see them but we're definitely on an upswing so that's uh, that's all good feedback as i said always welcome rumblestripradio at gmail.com if you after the first of the year if you could be so kind as to help out start the new year on the right and donate to the show uh, with a little button there up on the right hand top right hand corner of the website rumblestripradio.com would be much much appreciated as well uh let you know that rumblestrip radio is a production of raul duke media llc and is protected under creative commons license some rights are reserved uh, make sure you go check out the livefastracing.com uh, show you can livefastracing.com you can find the link there find it on itunes find it on talk shoe uh, go support all the guys uh, still out there in the motorcycle podcast group i think myself and uh, bob are about the only ones still going on a regular basis haven't heard from ray in a while but i know he's been very very busy with family and work um alan i see floating on skype and um anyways a lot of and, and then um, how could i forget tim up in canada twisted wrist uh, and put a show out a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just, sorry, Tim, haven't had a chance to get around to it yet. So there's a few of us still around, still trying to do some stuff, and I don't think we're going anywhere. So have a great holiday season. If your holiday is already passed for you, whether it's Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever, Christmas on the way, um, you know, enjoy yourself, be safe, stick around. We've got a lot of good stuff coming in 2008. So until I talk to you next time, and uh, going out with traditional Christmas music, have fun, be good. Most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk to you soon. See you next year. Thank you.